broadcasting from the third coast and recorded live at Tripod South Studios. This is The Hangover Show. That's what you were expecting? I expected you to have like your camera set up to automatically blur out. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate that. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to laugh and hidden tonight. I'll actually, uh, show my face. Hey everybody. Welcome to the Hango show. I'm your host, Hango Wood. And tonight I have a couple people that I've just met recently, really over the last, um, last year or so, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. probably been about a year now. Yeah. At least, yeah. Uh, Chris and Sarah, how y'all doing tonight? We're doing good. Yeah, we're doing good. This is going to be a lot of fun because I really don't know a whole lot about you. So you're, you're going to get to hear us meet each other live on the show. Um, I've, I've had, uh, some fun conversations with both of them. Uh, last night, matter of fact, I tried to convince Chris that you could milk a chicken <laughs> after, after he, after he said, Hey, you can use a platypus as a portable omelet machine since it gives both milk and eggs. And I'm like, dude, I thought you grew up in the country. You can milk chickens. <laughs> it was about a, about a four minute beat. And he goes, you cannot milk chickens. <laughs> So I figured you were Googling away, trying to figure out or calling your mom. Can you really milk a chicken? <laughs> no, I didn't think you could milk chickens. I was just very confused because you were so confident about it. Well, they have breasts. Not, uh, not like a chicken breast. Boom. Though. Science they wins again. Animals. They don't have breasts. <laughs> <laughs> so you're moving uh, currently back to the country mm-hmm. where God intended yeah, I would say so. Not inside a concrete jungle. Yeah. Going back to the country. That's right. I never thought would happen. <laughs> he was he was excited to leave when he left, and now he misses it, I think. Well, I think we all are. No matter where you're from, you're excited to leave home the first time. Yeah. Because you feel like you're spreading your wings and going. Yeah, because I left home pretty much right after high school. I went to... My first semester at college um, was away for the year and went back for one summer. And that was the last time I lived at home. I either had uh, summer classes so I could stay on campus and work or I lived with Sarah a couple summers while once we started dating just to stay in the area for work and had never gone back. Yeah. And then I guess it was right around Thanksgiving. We were just like, hey, what if we moved out to the country <laughs> it came on very quickly the whole idea yeah i mean i never y'all never really gave any kind of inclination that you were thinking about getting out of the city and going back to the country was there anything besides like the whole the the covid thing is there anything that really kind of drove you out that way or is it just like a man i kind of miss home well, you wanted land. Sarah yeah. wanted land. Well, originally the plan wasn't let's move back to where he grew up. It was, uh, we had kind of taught, had the conversation before that, you know, what if we kind of really leaned into this homesteading and grow your own food type mentality in our home? And there's actually a lot of that stuff that you can do in a setting like we're in right now, because we do have a backyard, you know? Um, so we were like, well, you know, we want to lean into that a little bit as long as we can, as long as we're here and then eventually go to land and 
expand it and it would be kind of a fun journey. And when we were initially looking at land, we were looking at things for sale on land and farm that is in the area here in St. Louis. Um, But we didn't initially think anything about going out to where he lived because it was a little farther than we thought we wanted to go. But um, it just kind of came on us around Thanksgiving. What spurred, have have y'all thought about doing the homesteading thing for a while, or is it something that just kind of got spurred recently or? Really in the last year or so, probably is when we started really talking about it. Um, At least like with the intention to do it. We, I mean, I grew up, we always had a garden growing up and we were always interested in kind of growing things anyway. And my first job was actually on a produce farm when I was 15. So I had been around that kind of stuff. And, you know, as things, as time goes on, it, I have really come to appreciate the things that I grow myself Mm. for myself and the independence that that kind of brings. And um, I think that was just kind of, especially with everything going on now, we're like, you know, this is looking like a better and better option, especially now that we have a kid. Yeah. Um, and he's at the age where, you know, if we wanted him to go play with some kids in the neighborhood, would we want him to play here? And that answer is no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's, yeah. let's, let's go back. <laughs> let's go back for a minute. Uh, did y'all grow up around each other at all or from to- 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 two totally different places? Yeah. We had very different. Okay. So where did, where did you grow up, Chris? Did you grow up in, you grew up at that out, out where I guess we all moving to, right? Yeah. I grew up out near uh, Union, Missouri, okay. which is about an hour and 15 minutes from where we are now, which is pretty much right on the border of St. Louis County, St. Louis city. Gotcha. Um, so I grew up, actually, I grew up part of my childhood in the uh, house we're moving into. Okay. It was my great grandma's house and my parents' house is right next door. So I was in the house all the time, visiting my grandma and spending time with her. And um, so I grew up out there and you were in St. Louis your whole life. Yeah. Well, so he always makes it sound like when he talks about where I grew up, he always tells me, oh, well, you grew up in the city because out out there, everything is the city. (laughs) However, I was... <laughs> um, Sarah grew up on the streets. She's that hard scrabble, <laughs> that hard scrabble life. <laughs> I grew up in like South St. Louis County. Like you can walk into Jeffco, the meth capital of. <laughs> no, that's Franklin County. Oh, that, no, that's where we're moving to. Sorry, that's, that's where I'm capital. from. I'm from the meth capital. No, Jeff said Jeff County is not far behind. Um, but. You know, I didn't grow up in like the streets of downtown St. Louis or even where we live right now, which is just another suburb of St. Louis. Um, It was it was just a very normal suburban upbringing. And, you know, I also spent my summers a lot of time throughout the year spending time in Kansas with my family over there. And then I had my family in St. Louis. And um, but yeah, it was like we lived in the county in a suburb and I was just a suburban kid. So he thinks I'm a city kid. You are, but I'm really compared, not compared to what we came from. <laughs> I spent very little time in the actual city. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then we met in college. Yep. 
And that that was the end of the story, I guess. Oh, <laughs> no, it was. We blinked and we ended up here. We met under very interesting circumstances <laughs> at the time. Okay, so drugs. Anyway, oh, so, no. so, no, I'm joking. It's a joke, people. No, it's, no, no. No. Um, have you listened to this show before? You know, it's it's just one big laugh fest. None of it's serious. <laughs> no. So I had actually already been in college a year. I'm a year older than he is. Robin the Cradle. So I say that all the time. Yep. Tinker did the same thing. Just stole me away. I'm just like, no, that's not <laughs> that's not how this works. Like, no. Um he he also likes to make comments about people in my generation as if it's <laughs> Oh man. Uh no, so I had already been at the school for a year and um What were you majoring in? I, um my major was my first year I majored in athletic training, um, like the sports medicine stuff. And I liked it. Um, and I was always really involved in music growing up. So I, my first year wanted to stay at least involved in some sort of ensemble type thing in college. And then my second semester, I ended up in orchestra, choir, voice lessons and flute choir. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, I think we see a pattern. So I switched and went into music education, but um, my intent was always to go on to grad school for a performance degree and really lean into that in graduate school. So I took extra classes in music ed um, just to kind of help prepare me for that. So I was in the music department and then he came in as a music ed major as well. And um, he Back when I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Back when you real you thought you were under the delusion you could handle children all day. <laughs> but no, I think like I, I mentioned that for a hot minute I had an idea like you know I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind teaching, but then I had the lightning bolt hit me I'm like shit I have to go to school every day just to work screw that because I hated school. <laughs> it wasn't even that teacher. It wasn't even that for me. Uh, I just got into my education classes, like when I got more in-depth stuff. And I just kind of like, so I don't really get to teach the way I want to teach. I just right. have to do exactly what the Lay state the curriculum out as you're that. told to do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I was like, I don't think that's what I want to do. Right. So I ended up not getting an education degree. Well, Chris here is also a uh, member of a secret society, much like I am. Uh, and, uh, we give Addison a hard time about him talking about about secret societies when he's a member of one himself. It's true. <laughs> so is that how you, is that how you met Addison was from the fraternity or have you known him before that? Before. No, that's really how I got to know Addison myself was when was, joined. yeah. When he joined, cause me. I was going to say they were, they were there for a while before he joined. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah knew, Addison and Meredith in that, in her own, a different circle of friends that I was in. Okay. Yeah. So Meredith and I are in the same women's music fraternity because it is not a sorority (laughs) for some reason. And then Chris and Addison are in the same men's music fraternity. And we kind of, yeah. So we got to know them through those avenues and just being ensembles with them. So Chris, what did you do after you decided not to teach? Did you change majors? Did you, 
Or I just dropped s- the education part of my degree. I gotcha. have a degree in music studies, technically. Gotcha. Good uh, I would have had a performance degree, but I didn't do a senior recital because I don't like performing by myself. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it made a special degree for me. <laughs> we'll make it up as we go along. It was their worst nightmare trying to get him like, out of the school. <laughs> we got to move this guy on. He's been there for. I, mean, se- I was there longer than he was, so. Hey, I did good. All. I made it out. Hey, we don't have. I, I started in 2010, which Look, means I should graduate in 2014. The only people who can fight on this show are me and my wife. <laughs> Y'all can't fight on my show. <laughs> which I did. I just graduated a semester later than normal after taking summer classes every year to also cover the classes. I messed around and failed my first. Year. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I graduated with a ton of credits, though. That was my problem. I was in there quite a while. Um, and there's also, you know, a semester of student teaching you have to do after that because it took me five years plus the semester of student teaching. Um, but because I wanted to prep for that performance degree and I had the major switch after my first year, but I wanted to prep for that performance master. So I took like extra music theory classes and more like pedagogy, pedagogy classes in other areas. Like I did vocal pedagogy and everything. So when did when did y'all get together? At what point? Were y'all seeing each other in college, after college, or what? In the in the middle. We knew like, each other for well, a year or middle so. Middle for you. Well, we knew each other like a, for It was like, a year after I started college. Yeah, it was a year after you started college. We had we had been really, really good friends that whole year prior. Um, and, yeah, but he was always dating somebody, so. You had to slip in when you could. Well, when we met, I was the first time we met when I was joining the fraternity, my pledge father texted me and was like, Hey, you want to come over and watch a movie? And I was like, Yeah, sure. I'm like, I'm hanging out. It was my I was hanging out with my girlfriend. Can she come along too? And he's like, Oh yeah, that's fine. That's no problem. So we show up to his room and Sarah was there, and that was how we met for the first time. You were supposed to be having a Kind of date with Date-ish. my pledge father. <laughs> and then he invited us over and kind of he added us to uh, to the company there. Yeah. yeah. He's worked himself out of a date. Like, I'll take that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he, so he was with that girl for quite a while till, you know, the following year. And then he dated the girl from back home again for a while. And, um, when he first asked me out, I told him that I wouldn't start dating him officially yet, that he was technically single. And I held that for like two weeks because he had never been single in college. And I said, no, you get, you need to, you need to be technically single for a little while and then we'll talk. Well, that's why Chris is a better man than me. Cause if I'd asked a girl out and she'd been like, no, you need to be single. I'm like, oh, I'll show you. I'll find the next one that walks by. <laughs> So rethinking things now. <laughs> <laughs> you had she gave you a shot to get out, man. That's I all I'm also, saying. I was also like one of his best friends. Like we had one of those relationships where we could kind of be brutally honest. So that was just kind of what our relationship was already like. Yeah, that's kind of I mean when I had Meredith on, mm-hmm. uh she asked me and uh me and 
Tinker lived together for almost two years before we got married. And she was like, was the honeymoon phase then or was it after you got married? Well, I mean, we're like y'all. We've always been brutally honest with each other. And I think for that, you know, there really was never, I should say there was never really a honeymoon period, but it was just like we were, we were a match. We, we made each other perfect, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember my mom. Well, I told my mom, uh, like, hey, I think I'm going to ask Sarah to marry me and stuff. Because we've been together for, what, two years? Like two point? years, yeah. Two years or so at that point. I'm like, hey, I think I'm going to ask Sarah if she'll marry me. And my mom goes, yeah. And she's like, from the first time I met her and saw you two together, she's like, I always, I always knew that was the one you were going to marry. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up. <laughs> like, I could just tell looking at you two that that, that, that was it. You were... You were going to be together. Oh, <laughs> um, so upbringing, uh, come to religion. Chris, were you raised in a pretty religious family or an yeah. active family? A church, I shouldn't say religious, a active church family. Yeah, I was, I was very active in church growing up. Uh, my parents didn't, really go to church as much but my uh grandma my great grandma who lived next door she was very gotcha involved in church and she wanted that to be a part of my upbringing so i went to sunday school i mean our church was three minutes from our house out there in the middle of nowhere you can see it from the house. yeah you, if you go out our front door you can see the steeple of the church through the trees off in the distance uh but you know she was one of those old church ladies who went to quilting every week and they, if the doors were open, she was there. Yeah, yeah. She was very involved in church. And so I went, went to Sunday school every week. I went to church every week. I went to vacation Bible school. If there was a chance for me to be involved up at church, I was involved. Right. Uh, I was the one, we had a weird congregation. Um, the majority of our congregation were very traditional German Lutheran church. Oh yeah, I forgot you grew up. You grew up Lutheran. I forgot about yeah. that. Right. Very traditional German Lutheran church. They did German Christmas Eve services while I was alive. Mm. I can't remember when exactly they stopped them, but they were. With, it was within the last twenty five, twenty years they stopped doing German services. Um. Yeah, I was there. I was the one who went up, uh, it was an older congregation. So there was one other involved kid, my age. Um, like I would go up and put flags on the cemeteries at Memorial day and stuff. But yeah, I, I grew up very involved in the church. We, we don't, we don't have a, I'll be honest. I never saw a Lutheran church until I moved to Missouri. I, it, it's just it's not very prevalent in in my area. Not, not a lot of not a lot of um, German immigrants to my area. There's yeah. a lot of them up here. There's right. a lot of German. Immigrants. I, I, I've learned like, all through the Midwest. You know, I got friends of mine in Minnesota. They all grew up Lutheran. 
you know, I, I never I was like, well, no shit, we don't know when we don't have any down. You know, our bigger cities have, have, have good sized Lutheran con- congregations. But as far as out here, it's, uh, it's, um, Baptist, Methodist, Church of Christ is pretty big in our area. Um, yeah. we have a few of those. And we have, you know, we have, you know, every kind of moderate sized town has a Catholic church. And of course, the bigger cities have big Catholic churches. Um, like ninety, I'm gonna say like ninety eight percent of my friends were of some kind of evangelical Protestant sect. So I just never was around it that much. <clears throat> not till I not till I got to I got to college and I met people from totally different faiths. You know, uh, what about you, Sarah? You grew up? Did you grow up Methodist? Or you grew up Lutheran as well? As well? Um, so I. <laughs> Let's let's go through the the list. Go for um, it. <laughs> I was baptized in the Methodist Church there for a few years, and then my parents they said at the time the theology was feeling very watered down and like warm and fuzzy. You know what I mean? Kind of weak. Um, and so they kind of went church shopping, and we ended up at this Presbyterian church. <laughs> church shopping. Well, that's what it is. That's, that's, a, that's literally what it is. <laughs> well, it is a phrase, okay? Um, but we went to this Presbyterian church that was four minutes from the house we lived in and um, got really involved there. And I was there. Um, I was very active in that church until I was 18. And it was for the most part, I mean, wonderful, wonderful memories. Um, I was at vacation, vacation Bible school. Um, every single year we did camps. We did, um, you know, youth group was a huge thing. Um, but that church, it was a really, it was really tough leaving that church because we had so many connections there, but, um, things had just gone really, really bad in the last few years before that. Um, my so when i was 14 the pastor of that church um died suddenly he was like a fit guy 42 years old running on the track at the y and just dropped dead um and little did we know it was one of those things where um you know the church just we were reeling and my mom was the music director so she put together the order of worship and rehearsed the musicians and did the some of the piano stuff and whatever. Um, so she kind of held things together and they got a new pastor and it wasn't Doug. And the guys that were in the session, some of the elders got really power hungry and really didn't like the fact that this woman was holding things together and they just forced the family out slowly. Um, and that was really hard because they, they like lied about my mom, not, wanting to resolve issues between blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I have emails trying to get email like meetings from you. So no. So it was really hard with my mom and we tried to like make amends as much as possible. It just, you know, it just kind of fell apart there. And we left when I was 18. And when they got rid of the youth pastor who was, we were really close to. Um, and then in college, we, I didn't have any, um, I didn't really have a church membership. I did a lot of stuff with the Lutheran church because I went to a Lutheran high school. Um, I got gigs like playing for churches at holidays and everything that way. <clears throat> but we are back in the Methodist church right now and I'm working there in ministry. So, um, 
Well, that's kind of what I wanted to lead into. So you, yeah, perfect segue, perfect Methodist, segue. <laughs> in the Methodist church that I was baptized in. Oh, so you're, it's full circle then. <laughs> yeah, my grandparents are longtime members there. Is it United Methodist? I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, right. UMC. Um, my grandparents, uh, or my mom, of course, was United Methodist. <clears throat> you know, forever. When I when I was going to uh, college back down here. Um, I would go to their church on, uh, on Sundays, it was a super small church that their pastor was in, had a charge. If you're familiar with charges where he, he was the pastor of four of these little country churches and he would do one service at eight, one at nine, one at 10 and one at 11 every Sunday. And, uh, so <clears throat> They had a pastor at the time when I started going there and he was um, a Vietnam vet, uh, old school Marine guy. Um, and that's probably the last pastor, probably the last pastor I've had um, and really respected the man. Um, he was, he was a, if, if he, if it hit his head, and he, you need, and he thought that you needed to hear it, good, bad, or indifferent. It was coming out. He 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 didn't hold any he didn't hold anything back. Um, I was dating a girl. This guy had done a lot of work um, around Mobile. He had been a pastor down there for a while. And I was I was seeing a girl, and um, he would always do Christmas Eve uh, Eucharist. And it was just coming, you come in, take it and leave. It was, he, he was just going to be at the church for about two or three hours. If you wanted it, you could, if you didn't, you didn't have to come. And, um, I was with this girl and she said, Oh, I'd like to go. But she was Catholic. She's like, I don't want to do anything, you know, against the church or whatever. Right. And so I mentioned to him about her wanting to come. He's like, tell her to come. Because he had been trained or allowed to do Catholic communion by the Archdiocese of Mobile. And so we went, and when we walked in, he went and did the whole host and the whole thing just for her. So she could take communion on Christmas Eve. That meant the world to that girl. Um, and so, and he was, he would tell me, um, he said, I don't drink, but I take three shots every year. You do a Memorial day. Cause he lost three of his best friends during Vietnam. He said, I take those three drinks for them every year. And, um, he passed away probably 10 years ago. Um, my brother Tom was a great man. And, and, and I think the, I, I still think about him all the time now. But he's the last pastor that I, I really had that I, you know, considered it, considered a really a, I'm a true man of God because he ministered to the people. What, Sarah? What led you into the ministry? Um. So after you know everything that went down with the church when I was a teenager, um, I I had enough. Um, one thing I did have at that church was a very good 
theological education and understanding of scripture and learning from scripture and how to find scripture. And I had enough maturity when I was at that time that all this happened that to understand that this wasn't God that was doing this, this was people being humans. And um, even though they're associated with the church, they're not representing God. And so even though I didn't really have steady church membership, um, you know, my relationship was God, with God was still, you know, of a high priority in my life, sometimes not as high as it should have been, but um, go for the highest. But that was something that continued, you know, even when I didn't have that regular membership. And um, so I, but I did have a lot of people that I considered mentors, you know, in my full spiritual development during that time. And I, I taught at the Catholic at a Catholic school and helped in the Catholic church for a while. And my time doing um, like kids ministry when I was a teenager volunteering and that stuff, when I was still at the church, you know, I kind of had experience in ministering to kids when I was a teenager through that. So, and then I did it at my job and then um, we had Wyatt, our son, and I knew it was really important to me that he get the opportunity to do the things in church that I got to do the vacation Bible school and the friendships that, and the fellowship you get with other kids and all the fun stuff that comes with that youth group and everything. Cause that was really important to my development as a kid. And so this church that I'm with now, um, you know, that was a church where I was baptized. My grandparents are members there. We would go back every so often for a holiday or whatever. And it was a, it was a good church, a very loving church. And so we were down in the area, you know, kind of we're in St. Louis County. And, um, and then I also discovered that they were looking for someone to get involved with kids ministry, like a part-time job. And I had a new baby and I wanted to leave my full-time teaching job so I could be mom. And I got this job in kids ministry. So we started going there because I started working there too. But I also wanted Wyatt to be baptized and have a church family, no matter how old he is. So that's kind of led us to where we are now. And now I'm the director of student ministry. So I'm not doing kids. I start in like sixth grade and um, I I deal with the teenagers now. Yeah, I was listening to um interview Dr. Drew the other night when I was out riding the roads as I do every night. Mm-hmm. And um, he was talking about how he's seeing so many teenagers having problems with anxiety and depression over the whole, uh, the COVID lockdowns, not, not having school and everything. And he says, you know, there's been a sharp, from what he's seen, there's been a sharp spike in teenage suicide, like from 13 to 17, like, like super, super bad. And he, his prediction was, this is just a start of it, that the repercussions we'll see in the years coming more of a spike of anxiety, a possible PTSD for a lot of these kids. How, how, how are you dealing with it yourself in your group? Are you seeing a lot of it in your group? Yeah, I see a lot of it. Um, I've heard stories. He's heard. Yeah. He's heard stories. I mean, and that's part of what makes me so 
pissed about how this has all been handled. Um, because you can't tell me that physical and emotional well-being is, you know, are something that are mutually exclusive. If these kids are isolated and just exposed to fear mongering all the time because they're always online and they're super plugged in, you know, they're being told to be afraid and then they're being forcibly isolated from everything that they know and their peers. And of course that's going to have problems, like cause problems with all of them. Um, you know, their attendance and everything and their, how they attend school is so different and they're checked out because they're not, you know, engaging with someone and it causes more stress. They fall behind or teachers now are also piling on more work because when you teach online, there's a whole lot more spare time that you don't have in a school because of passing periods or planning periods, or you can send kids to kind of do some work independently. And these kids are just, did you think about that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Chris got a sly smile when she said that. So I, I don't even know if I, if I, do I want to get in that story? <laughs> we have, we have an inside joke. Uh, yes. Our son's just turned two. And uh, we have a friend who's, she's pregnant with their first child. Yeah. So Sarah has kind of been talking to her about what kind of to expect, what being a mother of a young child is like. And a while back, Sarah said something to her about how why it was being a pain or being a handful, you know, being a child. Right. Being a boy. I was at a work meeting on Zoom and he was being a huge handful and it was very tough that day. And her friend made the comment, oh, well, can't you just tell him to go play independently for a while? <laughs> and ever since then, well, it's been an ongoing like inside joke between the two of us. We'll just be like, Wyatt, why don't you go play, play independently Go while? set the yard on fire for a while. Go do that. You know? <laughs> go play independently for a while. We need a break. Oh, man. It's... I have goes for anything and everything that is deadly. <laughs> favorites my kid. he grabbed a knife you like I <laughs> is that the first time? i have i have very full kitchen counters there's food there's some goodies up there from easter what does he grab the, the knife. knife heck yeah any good boy would oh i got this picture of him yesterday that is just like the epitome of raising a boy he's just in a diaper his knees are skinned up and dirty his face is super dirty he's got a big bump on his head big old shiner um, and he's holding a toy car and <laughs> sitting on the couch. Like this is raising a boy Yeah, in a picture. He also and tried to break your nose a couple months back. He, I think he did. Cause it hurt yeah. for, for weeks. Well, I told y'all that I've, I got this big nose for a reason. I, you can see it now. It's, uh, I've had mine popped two or three times. Now I know for sure once it, it got, it got cracked pretty, pretty damn good. <laughs> like hear it crunch. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it wasn't fun. An elbow will do that every time. Just wham. Yep. Yeah, he got my nose with his head. Yeah, um, that's he oh, when I was telling mom about it. Just taking him home for from the playground, and he threw a fit and threw his head back and just. 
crunch into my nose. Ugh. One on the chat room. You or Chris, one wrote, has anyone here ever broke the nose before? I'm like, ooh, me. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I broke my nose. Yeah, gosh. I, it's, it's the worst feeling because even if it didn't hurt that bad, when you get hit in the nose, your eyes start watering up and you can't see anything. So then you're like, oh, what, you crying now? I'm like, no, I'm not crying. My eyes just got watery because you hit me in the nose. Maybe I am crying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I mean, what's it like raising a kid now? Because it's something I'm not going to experience. We, we're not we're not doing the kid thing. Well, I mean, even back, just to circle back to the kids with the suicide name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I thought she was finished with that. I liked where we were headed there. I yeah, I, I really, I really wanted, I wanted to know more. I really, really wanted to get a firsthand account from somebody on the ground because Doctor Drew can comment on anything. He's a trusted professional, but I, I want to know what somebody who is dealing with these kids on a daily basis. I'm guessing. I'm sure that it contacts you a lot. And yeah, the thing is, they are. They're so dialed into the machine mm. what's being fed to them. But um, th- I can't really blame them necessarily well, for because that's what they're being taught. And they're, they're teenagers. They're listening to the things their parents are saying. They are so influenced now by the opinions of everybody. And all they see is fear, 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 fear. It's well, just. You're right. It's, it's killing them. It's. We've kind of talked in the chat room. I know Addison's brought up when this whole COVID thing kicked off. My mindset and views on the world were drastically different. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> those pants proved I, it. I used to buy into it all, and it was rough. I used to buy into it. I was very liberal. I bought into all the fear and all that stuff. Even when this COVID stuff was going on, at first I was you know, worried about all the stuff they're saying and buying into the fear. And then I got furloughed from work for about six weeks. I spent a lot of time just kind of looking into what was being said, you know, the different sides of all the stuff. I started kind of see through a lot of the sham that is everything in the media. I was like, wait a minute. This stuff they're telling us does not add up. Yeah. In the past, probably what, 10, 12 months, mm-hmm. my views on have drastically shifted to uh, question a lot more stuff. And I realize a lot of the tricks <laughs> they're trying to pull on us. Yeah. You know, I was always raised um I, my grandparents were big time democrats big time southern democrats um my grandfather was, was a union guy um southern democrats are a different breed than your east coast west coast democrat liberal um you know they believe Southern Democrats believe that, you know, you should work and you should work hard, but if your neighbor can't manage, there should be a safety net for them. 
And I agree with that to a certain point. I'd prefer that safety net safety net to be more charity than government funding. Um, but now there's been such a big influx of, you know, like the green new deal. If someone can't work or doesn't want to work, they should get a check every month. Uh, that's the kind of liberalism I have a problem with. Um, which is, it's leaning more toward socialism or communism or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I think you, you hit it right. Um, that if you sit down and look at what the media is saying or Facebook is saying or Twitter is saying or whatever, it's just, it's like people putting a lens on whatever viewpoint they want the kaleidoscope to have. Mm-hmm. If you want, if you want that conservative kaleidoscope, you put on the Fox news lens. If you want the liberal one, you put on CNN or CNBC or whoever MSNBC. But when you, Pull the lens away and you see the truth for what it is. That's, that's the big, <laughs> not my microphone over. Um, that's the point you get to where you need to be. Mark Twain always says three sides to every story, your side, my side, and the truth. And I think a lot of times we kind of take their side or that side instead of looking at what the actual truth is. Right. And unfortunately right now there's such a huge division yeah, and these kids are very much being conditioned to side with, you know. <laughs> Chris is sort of a big sigh, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> if there's one thing the American empire has accomplished, it is that they run the world's most powerful propaganda machine. They do. Probably in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole world cares what America does. And that's kind of weird because I don't see America caring what other countries are doing. It's very true. Like we've kind of established ourselves as the big man on the playground and maybe that's not necessarily a great thing. I had a chance to talk to a guy. We went down to, um, we were in the Bahamas one time and of course a lot of people from the UK vacation in the Bahamas and Jamaica because it's old, it's old colonies. So they can usually they can still get in with just a driver's license. Uh, it's like us going to American Samoa or the U.S. Virgin Islands or whatever. And so there's always a, a good a good amount of of uh, people from the U.K. at these resorts. And I met a, a husband and wife couple at one of the bars one night. And we were talking, and as conversations with me go, the drunker I get, the more politically leaning it starts getting. You know. <laughs> Cause I can't help myself. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, what's that? So I'm the exact same way. <laughs> and so we were talking and, um, it was, they were a really, they were a really cool couple because, uh, she was an atheist and he was Catholic and she was labor party and he was Tory so they were like the exact opposites and <laughs> married coolest people in the world. Um, but I asked him, I said, Hey, what's, why do, why do y'all care so much about what happens in America? You know, he's like, well, shit, y'all sneeze and we get the cold. I'm like, wow. I never thought about it that way. The little thing, the, the smallest things we do 
in this country affect our trade partners across across the country, probably our biggest ally, the UK, um, yeah, they get the brunt of it. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting ride learning learning all of the things through Chris's eyes, <laughs> as he would slowly start to realize things that were going on, and um, yeah, as Chris has kind of slowly discovered things, he would share it with me, and I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah. No shit," <laughs> or sometimes I'd be like, "What? Really? I hadn't heard about that." Like MK Ultra, that was one of them. Um, now yeah. I've now I discover really weird stuff, oh, and she's God. like, "God, please stop!" I got some videos stop I can send you. I'll send you some videos. We'll, we'll get you get you fixed right up. Uh, so yeah, but watching all of this kind of unfold for him has been enjoyable because it was it was tough sometimes um, being so opposite. In so many ways, of well, that was my part. next question. Where do you? Where, you never really have. I usually come at you about religious stuff, yeah, just to rattle the cage. Of course. Um, and a lot of it, I believe. Also, I'm not going to give you that. Um, <laughs> the, the church is full of pedophiles now, just so everybody knows. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying it's not. Happening <laughs> <laughs> where I am, but based on things I have seen and heard and understand about um, bureaucratic things, like some churches. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Hashtag all churches. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Chris is giving the stink face. <laughs> so. Where where do you land on the political landscape? Um, I am so I grew up ex- in an extremely conservative household, um, a conservative yes. family, <laughs> and um, so I have that kind of as a background. But I've also you know thought for myself on a lot of things. I lean much more libertarian um, than I do conservative really um because i understand the two-party system is stupid but oh, shit. that's kind of where i am i've got this kind of backbone of conservatism but i'm more libertarian and so is my dad my dad actually is very libertarian my mom is the one that has strictly conservative well i'll hear stuff about like a certain celebrity um coming out you know and saying hey i, I believe in libertarianism i'm like it's a tanker that can you know Woody Harrelson's a libertarian, you know, Vince Vaughn is a big libertarian. And she's like, well, yeah, most people are once they get past all, all the bullshit of the left, right thing, you know, when people stand and sit down and really study their views, um, they always skew more libertarian, more centrist than, than left or right. Um, I mean, there are a few people out there who are hardcore Democrat, or that, and then they go. They go to the polls. They just check ours all the way down the ballot, you know. But the, I think the vast majority of people consider themselves at least independent, if not actually libertarian. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most people will, will vote a mix of R's and D's on the ballot most of the time. Right, and- or, or Kanye's. We're not doing Kanye's. He did Kanye's. Oh no! 
You fell for the New World Order ruse. How dare you? They stole your vote, Chris. <laughs> as long as it didn't go between to either of the other choices, I'm okay with that. Con- yeah. I, I, I had a real video I need to send you about Kanye is a CIA asset. You know that, right? He's something. (laughs) (laughs) He is definitely that. I have my theories about Kanye. It's been a while since I've revisited them to see if, to know now he's going through a divorce and there's probably more added in the story, but I have my, there's something up with Kanye. Yeah. I haven't, he has not discussed Kanye with me uh, recently. Well, you notice everybody who used to be. There. Well, you know, there's the whole theory that David Bowie prophesized Kanye West. Oh, 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 you're getting me all excited. Go ahead. Yeah, I love, I, I love this story. <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of symbolism. I can't remember which album it is, but Bowie and his music and his symbolism and his album art and stuff. There's a lot of things that could be interpreted to pointing to Kanye West. So people are like, oh, Kanye West was. Bowie's second coming. He was <laughs> prophesized by Bowie himself. God. It's it's interesting. Oh, perfect time. Mm-hmm. Oh, is it snack time? Yep. I guess so. I got cookies sitting for you. Well, I figured if I sat down with just enough for me, you'd be like, but what about me? <laughs> His well, communism's I- coming out again. Uh, <laughs> now, piggybacking off what you said there about, about the whole Kanye thing, um, I don't talk about conspiracies a lot on my show. Uh, and I really want to get some people in here who are into it. Uh, you know, I mentioned, I think at the, here we go at the end of I think like the first or second show I did with the boys. And we started talking about conspiracy a little bit, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll read all of them. If it's a conspiracy about cockroaches, I'll read it just because it entertains me. But the ones that um, have been proven that are true, that people were called crazy for years for believing um, like, like I, I, I think that night I mentioned, do what now? Like MK Ultra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, like uh, Operation Midnight Climax, where, where they were they were dosing the they were dosing the guys at at the brothels to see the effects of LSD on them. You know, iHeartRadio is doing a whole podcast series about Operation Midnight Climax now. Wow. I'm like, you got a corporate company like iHeartRadio doing podcasts about CIA cover-ups. Like it's not like it's no big deal. Oh yeah, they did that. Oh well, you know. Well, and that's the thing that drives me crazy. Is I I have friends who you know they give me trouble all the time because I I conspiracies I find interesting. Absolutely. There's some I give a lot more credit than others, but you're a conspiracy nut. They don't I'm, like- a, I'm a conspiracy nut, and they think I'm crazy because of it, because they're all very left-leaning people. But look. But I'm like, you know, look at the stuff we found out the government exactly. covered up. Like, why is this so outlandish to believe? Like, look at what they've done in the past. Why would we trust them now? Because they want to. It, everybody. Yeah. Very, you think about it the other way. <laughs> a lot of people want want somebody to follow. Mm-hmm. They they don't want to you know they don't want to cut their own way. 
they want right. to walk a path that's nice and easy. And a, a man told me one time that any dead fish can float downstream. If, if you really, if you really want to do the thing, you do your own work, you do your own research and you blaze the trail yourself. Um, like one of the biggest lies I think was ever told to the U S public was the Gulf of Tonkin incident where the ship was attacked supposedly off the Gulf of Tonkin in Vietnam. And that's what kickstarted the whole Vietnam war, mm-hmm. you know, and it never happened. It was quote unquote, a miscommunication. Now they wanted to go into Vietnam. That's what they wanted to do. Right. And then they tried to stir up shit with the Cubans Operation North, you know about Operation Northwoods, right? Operation Operation Northwoods. Oh, I get to I get to teach Chris something tonight. I'm so excited. That doesn't ring. A, I've heard the name, but I yep. don't know. Operation Northwoods was a planned false flag that was put together by the Joint Chiefs of Staff under Kennedy, and they were going to use a remote controlled drone jetliner and blow it up in the sky and have fake Cubans try to invade the U.S. to kickstart a war with Cuba and Russia. But it was all a ruse put together by the military-industrial complex. And the Joint Chiefs presented it to Kennedy, and he refused to sign it, and then he got shot in the head. So, let's all figure that out together. See, Chris, I'm going to send you some good stuff to, to watch and read, man. I'm going to get you fixed up. Well, I mean, they had to give George Bush Sr. a job. <laughs> and then he became head of the CIA and then president. And we saw where that dynasty led. Yes, we did. Straight into Iraq for, for no particular reason whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. When you start connecting the stuff like that, it's like, wait, how long have we really been being tricked? What what are we going to find out in 10 years from now that they did? That Washington really wasn't real. George Washington never existed. He <laughs> <laughs> was just, he was just a, he was just a, 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 a name given to a group of men who controlled the country from its founding. Ooh, I should, I should write my own conspiracy theory about how Washington never existed. You should. People would buy into it, I bet. I could, I, I could sell a book. <laughs> I'm on to something here. Um, yeah, that... Uh, <clears throat> give me a second. You said something that, that, that set up a trigger in my head, but I'm old. I'm having to backtrack it now. <laughs> you Oh, about... Uh, you said about Bush, but him, you know, George, uh, George Bush Senior, um, from his time in the CIA and everything else. You know, when I I told people back after right after Bin Laden got killed, that was all the talk. Tinker woke me up. Listen to this. I worked at a sawmill at the time. You want to hear me get upset? I worked at a sawmill. I worked from six in the morning to two thirty in the afternoon. So I went to bed early because I need my sleep. 9.30, she swings open the bedroom door. I'm already asleep at night. They killed Bin Laden. I said, I don't care. I want to go to sleep. Yeah. So the, I didn't, didn't really remember it happening. I got to work the next day. There's a newspaper sitting there. I'm like, 
oh shit, we killed Bin Laden. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I remember waking me up last night. But the work all, all day at work that day was talking about Bin Laden this, Bin Laden that. And I said, you know, he was a CIA asset, right? And they're like, we wouldn't. I'm like, when Russia invaded Afghanistan in the 1980s, the U.S. government got him started to build an army that became known as the Taliban, and they sent him Stinger missiles to shoot down MiG fighter jets, shoulder-fired missiles. Bin Laden has been on the government payroll. Was on the government payroll back in the eighties. Was given money, guns, missiles, everything. So we think they're shooting down. What are they shooting down U.S. helicopters with in Afghanistan right now? Leftover Stinger missiles from the eighties. I mean, it's all a perpetual thing with the government. Um, well, what where things really went off the rails was when America got addicted to a wartime economy. It's very true. Because once they figured out we could make money off of war, but we could also, you know, create the wars wherever we wanted them, we can make endless money for ourselves. Like that's why our military budget is so ridiculous. We sell so much military technology and equipment to pretty much the entire world almost gets American stuff <coughs> from my understanding at least from what I've looked into like we make a ton of money off that stuff why would we want the wars to stop it's, it's true it's um if you watch CNN now like at the top or the end of every hour top of every hour that area there'll be a little blurb. The guy comes on and goes, promotional consideration paid for by Northrop Grumman. Northrop Grumman is one of the biggest arms companies in the U.S. So how can you trust? And I'm not saying it's just CNN. I'm sure Northrop Grumman, Grumman uh, Raytheon, all these big companies have got their hands in the media pot, putting money in there, putting money in there, putting money in there. But you're, this country was really started on a war economy. I mean, from the time those dudes dressed up like Native Americans and threw tea off that ship in Boston Harbor. Um, have you seen the John Adams uh, series on HBO? No. Paul Giamatti? It's really good. Um, at one point, they had sent John Adams to France to talk to the French about becoming allies, sending, sending help during during the Revolutionary War. And he was then sent to uh, the Netherlands to get money from the Dutch, which he wasn't very fond of because you know, a company, a, a country shouldn't be started on the, on the back of debt. Um, but Franklin made a good point that you know, once we establish credit, we're going to be good and you have to have debt to get credit. So he went to the Dutch to get money to keep funding the war. So in all actuality, this country has started from day one off a war economy. But after World War II, we had a lot of joblessness because they weren't they wouldn't building bombs and guns and tanks anymore. Yep. So yeah, I totally agree with you. The war economy has is been more of a crutch than anything for, for the U.S. Well, in our spending, I think I um, I read something that. Between in the past 12 months, 
we've incurred 25% of the U.S.'s total spending um, between, so past 12 months, we've gotten 25% of the overall spending um, from between 1776 till last year. Like, it's insane. It's a Because this, uh, so, this is a work, essentially what we're dealing with right now is this whole, we have the wartime economy that's been going on for all these years, but now there's this big war on COVID and it is fueling the economy in a completely different way. It's so interesting. You just shift the battlefield. Yeah. Well, I mean, it hurt now the economy. It's a war on COVID instead of a war on terror. So mm-hmm. now there's a different pile of dead bodies at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, reason, <clears throat> excuse me. Reason's one of the few news sources that I sort of kind of trust. Um, they're more libertarian based. They kind of give you both sides of the, the story. You know, and they put out a, a video this week. I'll have to share it to y'all about uh, the national debt. Is the national debt really that bad? Kind of the crux of it. I believe, don't quote me, but I believe they said this year we are going to spend more than 100% of our GDP. That's, and they have economists on there saying, well, that's not really a bad thing. Or, you know, that's not really uncommon. It, it should be. We should have our spending under under control enough, you know, that we're not spending over 100% of our, our, our GDP. I think... Yeah. Um, that's not difficult. We all have to do that in our personal lives. And <laughs> in our, but if the government can't do it, don't trust them to run your lives. Well, I, well you know, the difference is the government controls... Banks, they yep, I know. they have unlimited money. Yeah, they can print it. Are you wearing aluminum foil underneath that hat? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> no, um, you know, as me and mom were talking one day, and I said, you know, if if I had a company and I managed my books the way the U.S. government manages their books, I would be investigated, broke, and everything else. And they're allowed to push debt back, never declare bankruptcy. They're allowed to have a, a black budget nobody else can see. Yeah. If we try to do that in our own personal lives, that would not fly. Nope. But they don't live in the real world. You know, when they? they misplace a couple trillion dollars, just blow up a couple buildings, distract everybody. All right. On that note, <laughs> no, I'm joking. We can't do that in our daily lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Anything else you want to talk about tonight? God. What's wrong, Sarah? <laughs> I'm sorry. He's wearing me out today. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chris is a gentleman and a scholar. I try to be. Are you wearing those damn Hiram pants right now? No, I'm just wearing some track pants. Oh, my gosh. This is the who listens to the show. This is the Chris who wears these ridiculous Bozo the Clown pants. <laughs> They're very comfortable. So I is being naked, from, but I put clothes on. I work from home, so 
comfortable to sit around in all day. But you wore them in public before. I've seen pictures of you standing at a park. Time, like don't get me wrong. Oh my gosh! Before that, um, work from home comfort setting, and they make him feel stylish. I'm sure Sarah's glad you're working from home now that you're not wearing them out in public. <laughs> he wasn't wearing them at work or anything before, so I mean, so they'd fire his ass. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, having him home is good. This has been, this has been good. It's been helpful to me. Mm. So, especially when you're wrangling a two-year-old, I could imagine having an extra set of hands around. It's nice. Yeah, I mean he's busy um, a lot of the times, but like on Tuesday, I was in the middle of my two-hour staff meeting, and Wyatt was just losing his mind, and. Um, he asked his boss, he was like, hey, I just need to step away for a little bit and help out. So he stepped, He was able to step away for a minute if I needed him and I could kind of focus in on the end of my call that I was on or um, nap times. I get to go run my errands, which is fantastic. <laughs> because before I was dragging a toddler to my errands surrounding his nap time so he could get a nap time. And then they were always longer because I had him in tow. And now... I just go knock out a few things by myself and my schedule is so much freer. It's great. Yeah. So. I know Tinker's kind of taken to this because she just got a new job. Um, same industry, different company um, where before she was commuting 30 to 40 minutes each way. Cause her office was, that was in a really busy, like a, a really growing part of town and they hadn't got, of course they don't have the roads upgraded enough to Mm -hmm. compensate for all the traffic that's coming into that part of town now. And so she went from a, you know, a good hour to hour and a half commute round trip every day to a 20 foot commute. And so she's, and she's not a people person. She's not, I should say a people person. She's not big on being in a crowd. She likes being, she's a very, and she's a homebody. She don't like to get out and corrals like I do. And so this was like a dream come true for her. Now the company she has, she works for now, um, they've been doing telecommuting for years. Um, only office they really have is like at their headquarters, and that's that's pretty much it. And so she's like, well, if I'm going to be at home, I might as well work for a company that I really want to work for. So I'm going to go to this other one over here. Um, yeah, it's affected everybody differently. I, I got my the whole COVID thing, cut my hours for like a month. I think I lost 20 hours. They had to cut back a little bit. But other than that, it was just because hospitals had stopped doing elective surgeries. So we weren't, we weren't needed as much. Um, But now, man, it's wide open for for us right now. Uh, I think I, I did just over 2000 miles of driving this week. Wow. So yeah, the last two nights were, were really rough really really rough. <laughs> um but yeah i made it anything else you want to talk about tonight no nothing really comes to mind okay we'll have to plan uh we'll have to plan a one-on-one episode sure talk about weird stuff yeah, dude i'm i'm all about it well he started watching this show what is it on oh i want to watch that i'm gonna watch it this this week while i'm off 
he had me watch it. He rewatched episode one so I could watch it. And I was just like, I don't, man, really? And he's so excited about it. Okay, so and he's going you, there. Do you know about this area in Kentucky called the Penny Royal? Yeah. It spans, you know, pretty much the southern expanse of the state. And it's just this hotbed of high strangeness and weirdness. Yeah. NASA refers to it as the Kentucky Kentucky anomaly because uh, it's got weird geomagnetic field or something with it. Gravity is slightly different. It affects the Van Allen belts. It's completely weird and unexplained. And people have countless you know, accounts of high strangeness, just weird things in that area. And I looked it up. I'm like, this is like six hours from where we're at. Take a trip. Bus, like, let's get in the car and let's go. <laughs> <laughs> because I, my view on things is a, a really good term I heard uh, on a podcast the other day was, what was it, mystical agnostic. You don't really have any, as far as mystic, mystical stuff goes, you don't have any real set thing you believe in because really one thing is just as plausible as the next. Like you can't really know what's what's real or what's the truth. You're like, ringing my bell, Chris. You're, 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 you're welcome to the club, brother. But so I have this mindset of, you know, people are saying all these crazy things are happening. Let's go see if I can experience some of it. And my friend, he's pretty skeptical. He's like, yeah, I guess it could happen, but I don't think, I don't think that's what's going on. So I told him, like, let's get in the car. Let's go down there and take a trip and we'll see if we can find anything crazy. He's like, okay. He's like, I'll do it. He's like, I'm in. Let's, let's see if we can change my mind. So we're going to plan a trip. I'm researching all sorts of stuff about the area. I'm going to come up with a plan to go down and, Go to different areas and see what's up. I can come up and meet y'all, man. Like, I'm really excited about it. She is not on board. I'll bring my I'll bring my my, my, my shaman with me. We'll, we'll work something out. <laughs> so he's he thinks this stuff is so fascinating, and we enjoy, and it's also really dramatized. But you know, the things that he and I find thrilling and exciting are a little different. So he was watching, we were watching Hellier. I watched the first episode. I'm like, that's also just really creepy. And that's not where I get my adrenaline jollies. I just, no, I would rather not. Um, But yesterday I was watching a show that I enjoy adrenaline wise and he was not on board. I was watching Storm Chasers. And so- that was yeah. I know I'm a little bit of a nerd, but I was watching that. Like these are this is the difference between us. I would rather mess with like forces of nature. Physical. Well, down here we don't even have to, we don't have to change. We don't even have to chase the storms down here. They come to us. I know. I yeah. We had true. we had tornado sirens go off at four o'clock this morning. Well, that's I mean that sounds reasonable. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in I spent a lot of time in Kansas as a kid, so we. Oh yeah, you saw it then. That, that stuff there. I did. And we get some of it here too. I did too. Yeah. Uh, I have grandparents that live like right on the border of Kansas and Missouri. Yeah. And that's where I spent my summers growing up for like probably 10 years. He's not about the storms. I think they're cool. 
I'm he's and he loves uh the idea of going spelunking looking for Tommy knockers. No, I ain't and, doing that crap. I ain't I ain't I ain't dangling this big body off a rope. I don't trust it. So, hey, hurricane season's about to get cranked up down here. Y'all can come down for that. Oh, man. No. You, you want to come sit out a hurricane with us? I don't want to do a hurricane. <laughs> there's too there's too much water and, you know, I think that I think that tornadoes are the real way to receive the wrath of God. So What about like, earthquakes? Earth, I mean, those are pretty bad too. Well, now, Jeez, wait a minute. According to do what now? Fault is gonna. Yeah. Time. We're overdue. We're way overdue for the new Madrid fault. I- I'll give you that. Yeah, he we <laughs> he was talking about yesterday when we move. Um, we need to come up with like some earthquake disaster plans. Put your house on wheels so it don't fall down. You can just move with the ground. Lord, no! <laughs> you know what that would cost. <laughs> but the new Madrid fault, though. Oh, God. We we felt earthquakes out there before. We had I remember there was that big one when we were teenagers that came through St. Louis. Um woke me up, it was rattling stuff off my dresser. That was weird. And we've had some tremors down down here. Uh when I was in college it we had one they had one in the town I was going to college in. And like it knocked a chimney off somebody's house, and everybody came out and took pictures of it. I'm like, that's really good. Let's get y'all all out in the morning. Let's go take a pictures of a fallen chimney. Good job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the only earthquake I remember really having was that one. I was like 17. I remember um, the aftershock when I was in chemistry class. So, yeah, that's I think the last one we've had. Yeah, in this area. All right, well, Chris, I'll have to get you on. Um, I'll see you during Megacast, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you on here. Uh, we'll have the old ball and chain one night. We can go get some, get some crazy, goofy stuff going on. Chris and Sarah, thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks it. for having us on. And you're right. you welcome on anytime at all. I love you guys. Thanks, everyone, for, for, for listening to the show. I love all y'all, too. Be sure to go by ebles.com, E-A-B-L-E-S. Get some premium CBD products. Save 15% with the code HANGO. Also go check out mydelta8.com. The 8 is spelled out. See what they have going on over there. Hope all y'all have a great night. I'll see you next time. Thanks. Take care. Love you.